Guess who's back? It's the real Wrestle Pro. Ginger Jedi mind tricks teach you all that he knows. Had nobody in charge, and he's got all the news. Real talk, straight shooting interviews. Join the queue, put you in a submission. Twenty bucks. Oh wow. Nelson. Okay, shows making flights. Still got time for a podcast. Buck never stops, and he's gonna let you know that. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pat Buck Show. Once again, joined alongside KM. Uh, apologize for my haircut. Uh, everything's been closed for five weeks, so I don't really know what to do with it. Uh, if you're listening, or obviously if you're watching, uh, please check out our Patreons, patreon.com slash patbuckshow. We have three tiers there. Uh, one of them is just kind of our Facebook group, where we're actually going to go live soon, post-show, to talk to everybody there and check in. But there's also things as far as being a worker or a wrestler, whatever it may be, um, if you want to send in your match. And there's all different stuff there. Or part of it's being a part of, I guess, loosely the booking team, where you get to see and sit in on meetings that we do to book our shows. The problem being that we don't really have any shows uh, outside of Alaska happening in September, which will be our first show back unless the world opens up again. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, right now, everything's looking good. Knock on wood. I mean, but we're also at the beginning stages where... We, it's it's a trial. It's like right now it looks like it's going good, but who's to say that you know it's like oh, we pulled the plug too quickly and now we have to take two steps back. So, but right now, all system ahead. Cross our fingers. Uh, worst case scenario, I guess we could do drive-in wrestling that everyone's doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe we should explain that because I don't think people are really. Uh, fam- the first one to kind of put that in my head was Mike Johnson. He was like, "Hey, I think uh, yeah. you guys should do some sort of drive," because his his concerns were. Going forward, then again, this, with everything going on, I think coronavirus is kind of taking a backseat to all the madness going on. Uh, but saying how, how do you run a show with, you know, sanit- indie shows sanitizing the ring in between every match and making sure that everyone's protected and the, all that stuff. And he thinks drive-in wrestling would be the way to go, which I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to do that. You know, uh, I, think with, I think Northeast Wrestling just announced a drive-in wrestling show on top of ICW on top of the California one. So now this will be, I, I don't, the California date passed. That show happened? It went down? I the San idea. Diego one? The original poster I saw was the San Diego, California drive-in wrestling show. So I'm assuming that was like May 21st. I'm assuming if that happened successfully, that's why the other companies are following suit. ICW announced the death match in Atlantic City. Uh, and then I saw NEW just, I believe it was Northeast Wrestling, just announced, um, what you call it in again New New Jersey? It's a town in New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, the deathmatch thing's a little ridiculous. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but like, God bless Jack and Danny, but I there's no way that that's been approved in Jersey. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, what I think happens, I mean, I don't is I I think they did get some approval for like some wrestling entertainment. Oh, we got a ring, a couple guys, but not deathmatch. Like, I don't see that. I think there's a little bit of. Uh, you know, finagling with getting and I, that approved. And I know, we both know, actually. I was going to say, I've known Dave for a long time. You've yeah, actually a... known him longer than me. Right. Uh, Boy Scout. My man over there, Pat, I, I remember correctly, didn't you get into a fist fight with him in, like, seventh graders? <laughs> 14 years old, so fre- freshman or sophomore year. I think maybe freshman year, sophomore year. Me and Danny DeMonso threw down in a, in a uh, PS, one of those schools, in a handball court. And neither one of us really won. Like, we just kind of, like, slugged it out. But then by the time I got home, he told everybody that he won. 
and like told everyone like he destroyed me and, and I had no people there. I literally showed up and it was him and all his friends and, and I remember someone, I was at the park, I'm like, I'm gonna fight this guy. It was over some stupid- well, I was gonna say, what was it, was, it about? It was, over, really? it was over a, a girl. girl. I yeah. knew it, I knew it. <laughs> some girl like went to my high school and like I started seeing her and it was like Danny's like best friend or whatever that, and I remember like I'd go to her house and Danny would be there already but he'd be like, like mean mugging me. I'm like, I hate this guy. So I remember I walked, we kept talking crap to each other and I walked to a park, uh, one of the, or whatever, he's like, hey, like, I'm gonna be here with all my friends. I'm like, all right, and I'm an idiot. I showed up by myself, I don't know what I was thinking. I've done that before. And so I showed up by myself and there's like, dude, there's at least, I'm like, I could have been jumped and killed. But somebody, someone rides up to me on, on a bicycle and goes, yo, you here to fight the fat kid? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah. I think so, and then I walk in, and he's just in the handball court. He's like, "Come on!" And then we just like throw. Did either of you even know how to properly throw a punch? Because I remember all the fights. I've gotten into countless fights, dozens and dozens. And I think back to fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade and stuff. There's no way I knew how to throw a punch. I it definitely, if I had video of it, it was definitely like, "Come on, yeah, you want some?" <laughs> like I bet you there was no grace behind anything. Probably. I bet you it was just madness and like. With, I mean, with no technique. <laughs> I just, I just remember we just like it was. It was like four minutes, and we both were like. Then we just studied each other. Was like, it four minutes? I think Did Danny so. stand there for four minutes, go, know, going, going. Oh, maybe, maybe it was like two or three minutes. I, I mean, don't know. I, I, feel like, I think you're the one who taught, showed me like go to the gym and just you know hit the heavy bag for like one for minute, one and minute. I was dead. I'm picturing, you know, and Danny. I, but at being, the time, I was like 150 pounds, maybe, and he was probably double my size. I'm assuming. But like nobody won. But I remember like I went home. I was like, all right, we just did that, and then we like shook hands and like. Did either you even have a scratch? Yeah, I think we were both. But uh, actually, I I think I had like some some cuts on me. He was busted open. Yeah, I remember that. But then I remember going home and called the girl, and she's like, I already heard from Danny. Like you, uh, like Danny destroyed you. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like that that didn't. Ha and I'm like, Danny oh. said you're in the hospital. What hospital are you calling? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, like, I'm fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's how I met. Legendary Danny DeMonto. And then by, it's so weird. Where did either of you know that you guys were wrestling fans at the time or just by dumb luck you both fell into wrestling? I think after? it was dumb luck. Well, I remember one time I, I went to like a big boss man autograph session in like, fuck. It was when he was hardcore champ. So I saw him there and like we kind of like said hello. But I remember I, I met him outside of ECW, Elks Lodge. We were both waiting to like, where, the, where they pull in to like meet people and then we started talking there and he was telling me like, I'm gonna start wrestling soon and I'm like, oh, that's cool, I want to. And I didn't yet, but like, that was, uh, I remember we were both like trying to meet Raven or something, it was like, and then we became friends. That's so, it's so radical though, because if you think of like, like 14, whatever, you guys fist forward now, both of you, I mean, excluding GCW, because they're obviously an awesome company too, I mean, CZW's pretty much non-existent anymore, uh, but it's like, ICW, Noah's Bar was making noise quickly in New Jersey, and then Russell Pro's always doing their thing. It's like, and there's a million little companies underneath that, you know, just kind of float by. It's like, two, you two guys that 40 fist for each other at 14 years old now run like two of the more dominant companies in New Jersey. Like, it's kind of kind of bizarre yeah. um, the way it all played out. So driving wrestling, I mean, we're, I don't know, maybe we'll, if there's a good parking lot, I would, I would consider it, but I just don't know of a spot. You know? I, again, like, the back of my mind is like, I don't know, is New Jersey really going to sign off on this? I mean, and I told him, because I had the conversation with Danny, and I was like, yo, this isn't me trying to, like, wish ill will, like, for the boys, for the fans, for everybody involved. I hope it happens, and I do. I sincerely do. I'm not one of these, you know, 
NWS people, like, or these company guys who are going to go to try to ruin other companies, shut them down or whatever like that. If the state's okay with it and everything, like, rock on, go, go for it. And I hope the show does happen, but it's just like, I don't, like, I mean, you and I talked, I was like, bleeding all over the place in the middle of a pandemic? Is that, is that well, a... The first thing is those, those fans are hardcore, so they're not going to stay in their cars. They're not going to just stay in... They're not. They're going to get out of their cars. Depending on the... I don't even know the setup. I'm guessing it's a big field and the cars are... I mean, it's, it would be... I, I mean, I've seen drive-in movie theaters. I've never been to one where they have the hatchbacks. They're sitting mm -hmm. on their cars. They're opening the trunks, laying down. And I guess it's okay to be outside your car if you're not within distance. That makes sense. Um, I've been to ones where you just stay in the car and you have the speaker. You could... Do, but I, what I think is going to happen, like, either to go off that a hitch, great, hope it does, because that means, hey, running a deathmatch show is okay, so running a regular wrestling show would be fine, too, yeah, but... We'll, we'll run the regular wrestling show and get shut, shut down. down. Well, that's We're my, running a family-friendly show and get shut down. My fear is that what if this attracts, like, a lot of attention and the governor's, like, just kiboshes all wrestling shows for... I don't know. So that's the way I think, like, how could this affect Jersey? I don't think it will, but... You know, if, if if we get a second wave of stuff and the show's going on and, you know, blood's flying everywhere into the crowd, and eh, I don't know. So, but as far as us reopening, if I can segue to that, um, I think we're going to open Creator Pro relatively soon. I think we're in Long Island's already in phase one or approaching phase two of reopening. The New Jersey school's far off, which is unfortunate. I thought they'd be open first. So, like, we have to completely change our protocols, and I've been trying to... Uh, some of us, you know, uh, I'm trying to dance around politically, meaning that we're not a gym, you know, we're a unique sort of thing. Our tax code says we're not a gym and Cuomo allow is allowing training camps of professional sports. They're already back. Um, so like if the jets training camp or Mets, whatever, like professional organizations are allowed to compete. And I kind of want to say that creative pro is a professional training camp. I mean, we have people that work for professional organizations and, you know, um, if you want to say, well, wrestling's not really a sport, we'll tell that to New York State Athletic Commission that makes me get a license that is the same license as promoting boxing. So in the state of New York, we're a sport. So I think we can reopen sooner than later, but we also are limiting our class size to eight people with one trainer, temperature checks when people come in, um, sanitizing the ring in between all of our sessions. So that's looking like the new norm for the time being with opening a uh, wrestling school. And I got to get the same stuff for uh, New Jersey. Yeah, I was going to say, too, when you said uh, about the whole sport with wrestling, is pro wrestling the only one that falls in that gray area of sport and entertainment? Like, some people say yeah, some people say no. Is there anything else you could think of that would fall into that same category? Or is that just really it? It's the only one that gets grief for that. Because, I mean, you could look at, like, uh, you know, X Games or, or you know, uh, stuff with, you know, the, I don't know, like, Biking stuff, BMX stuff. I think that, that, you know, synchronized swimming. I mean, these are performances, but they're, they don't get the grief that they're yeah. a sport, but they don't get the grief that, you know, pro wrestling gets because of the whole, oh, what they're doing is fake. That's, yeah. you know. But as far as New York goes, it's, you know, which I'd prefer. Because that, that was the kind of thing that, um, that one of the reasons why WWE or Vince chose to come out with, uh, hey, wrestling is predetermined was I've heard sometimes to get away from the commissions because they ruin everything. Um, and they take a big percentage, and um, by saying it's sports entertainment, we wouldn't fall on... It's ridiculous. Like, the New York State Athletic Commission is ridiculous. I've told them to their face they're ridiculous. It's just so much um, unnecessary... It's an unnecessary thing to have that we got to put up with 
that does no good. Like I, they're like, oh, well, there would be backyard shows everywhere. There already is. So there, you know, even the pro wrestling shows that have the license, some of them are not good anyway. I wish the whole I wish we weren't a commission state, but we are. Well, I, I just actually I wish every state had a commission that oversaw pro wrestling because that would actually kind of filter out the untrained guys, the backyard wrestling shows, and actually make business better for the legitimate companies. But I don't. I wish it wasn't with the headache treating it as if it was like some combat sport, boxing event, MMA event where they're just breathing down your throat because even when running the shows in New York, I'm seeing like someone's about to do just a regular suicide dive where it's literally jumping out of the ropes and pushing the person not to expose anything. And then I see the commissioner, he had his phone ready to record it as if we were going to do some like crazy thing that needed to be documented in case it was just... It's a little, I think it's a little extreme. I think if they kind of... I, I just like the whole fact that if it just regulated all co- companies in each state to have a real promoter's license and all... I, I miss the fact that pro wrestlers needed an actual license and it should come from a credible trainer. I think if it's done right, it's beneficial because if you take out all these places that shouldn't be running shows, that sh- people shouldn't be... Cred- they're not credible promoters. They're guys that shouldn't be in the ring. Then it takes places like WrestlePro. It takes places like all the other companies, like GCW and stuff like that, and it elevates them because they're all legitimized. And if there's only, like, you know, five or six real deal companies with that are using professional wrestlers that are on the books, that are doing everything on the up and up, then it, it, I think that actually helps business overall rather than 17 shows running all over us not paying guys because they're using guys that aren't even wrestlers to begin with their best friend's the referee who's never been in a ring before and their girlfriend's the manager who's never been on a show before it's just nonsense i wish those shows went away and i don't know how else to do it other than i just remember when the commission was really when we had to get licenses when we started wrestling Mm -hmm. we had to get signed off by i think it was either three licensed professionals or a license uh, a credible trainer and um I kind of almost missed that you had a there was only one way to get in the show it's like do you have a license do you have a license but even the states that do require that it almost seems like send in $35 and we'll give you a license there's like no I I kind of I'm surprised you actually agree with that I I, I completely disagree just with like I just want the I just there's no other way to that. get get rid of all of the trash I don't want a, a commission breathing down the throat that's not what I'm saying I I just want I don't know any which way else to get rid of all of the, the nonsense. Like I remember in Kentucky, that's one of the states that has a very strict commission, ridiculous commission to the point where I don't think you can make like an entrance from the crowd, which is, that isn't a big deal. But one thing I hated about Kentucky was it would drug test the wrestlers. And like that was really weird. I mean, not like, not, not for PEDs, but for they would literally point you out, make you, you know, a P test. And it would be like, you know, five things it was like weed barbiturates opiates like it was five things that you could essentially fail for and a lot of guys in OVW not a lot but enough would fail and lose their license and they couldn't wrestle there and like it was just so I don't know I didn't agree that's that's extreme and also on top of that you had to pay ten dollars to get your license that was the fee where you mailed it in and I remember one time walking out to the ring at OVW and all of our hardcore fans were holding up their licenses that they got offline like they the fans applied and they had so I just I hate it because I mean I should probably explain a little more because people don't know what goes into the commission like for New York what makes us different and in Jer- this is why I started in New Jersey 
because you can do whatever the hell you want in New Jersey, and that's why more, you know, deathmatch stuff happens in Jersey because there's no commission, and the commission was abolished around that SummerSlam 97 thing. I think that was the first time where they de decommissioned. That's why SummerSlam... In New York? Went, in Jersey. Oh, okay. Remember when WWE went to... Uh, it was uh, in 97 SummerSlam, and it was, it was Governor Christie, not Christie, uh, the, the female. You Jersey guys would know, right? I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm terrible with that. I don't remember. The, the, Where, yeah, I think it's, I think, is it Christy Todd Whitman? Am I, it was that. Okay. So WWE hasn't had a show there in forever, and they went back because they got rid of the commission, and I think it was that governor who got rid of that. That's why they went back to Jersey, and then since then there was no commission. So like, I wouldn't have been able to start any wrestling promotion without Jersey because in New York, here's the thing, you need, you need a license. What do you need to get a license? You need a, a $10,000 surety bond, which isn't that impossible. You need good credit to get it and references. And then you need an insurance policy that's through the roof and, uh, gosh, a licensing fee. And then you're supposed to give them 3% of your show profits before every show, which, like, kind of, it kind of sucks. However, they've never, they've never actually never hit up Creative Pro because our shows are so small and they can't, you know, justify that amount. It just doesn't work. But you need to have a doctor a couple hundred bucks every show. You need to have an ambulance, a couple hundred bucks per show for a donation. Some will charge a flat fee. And by the time you're looking at it, you're already, you know, $1,000 in the hole from putting up if, if for just commission fees alone. So, and you need guardrails around the ring, which I agree with. I like that. That's fine. Uh, floor mats. Okay, I understand that. But, um, you know, you can't fight any... They were, they were out to get us, meaning... And the reason why they were out to get us was because... The way the commission works is they need to send people to the shows. So the commission, whoever's in the commission, you know, has a real job with the government and oversee, but they oversee boxing, which is where most of their business is. They oversee MMA. Like the same people going to UFC shows are going to pro wrestling shows, which is kind of ridiculous. But they, they send inspectors. And these inspectors, they don't necessarily get paid a whole lot. And their, their job is to be stooges for the commission or to at least see that everything's done right, which I'm okay with. But a lot of times they would send boxing inspectors to a wrestling show who, one, they don't understand what selling is. And every time someone's selling to the back, they would get up and rush to see if someone's okay. Uh, anytime we're near the barricades, like Kevin said, they'd be there with a the camera to try to capture us fighting over the barricades or doing something that maybe hits a fan, which I've always avoided. So there's all these like crazy rules. Some promotions, like I remember GCW would ignore them, which <laughs> God bless them. And like, I'm like, how do you guys get away with that? There was one time at Creator Pro. We had a match, I think it was Grimm versus, it might have been, it was DJ Hyde actually, randomly. Uh, anyone knows Grimm from Grimm's Toy Show? Like, not ex we always, he's not exactly the greatest wrestler, so we had like a bunch of props. And he took, a, he took a broom and just like lightly hit DJ with it. And the commissioner told us we have to stop the match or stop the show if that continues. It, it, like, it was just crazy stuff like that. <laughs> if that wrestling. vicious onslaught continues. <laughs> <laughs> They've, they've done stuff, too, with, like, uh, you know, um, a rope's broke, and they'll, they'll be like, hey, you got to fix it, which I understand completely, like, fix it, but they'll be like, basically, you got to shut the... One time, the bottom rope fell off, broke, and they're like, well, you have to stop the show. I go, no, stop it now. We'll go and fix it, and then the show can continue, and, like, they didn't understand that. So there's all this, like, stuff where we're actually always waiting for what commissioner shows up, because some are... Or inspector. Some are cool. Some are not. Like, Billy Caputo was the best. And uh, they've gotten rid of, like, the cooler ones over the years and gone with the stricter ones that will issue fines if... I know one company got issued a fine because their doctor was a 
the doctor thing is ridiculous. I, I think you need a doctor or an ambulance. You don't need both. If someone gets hurt, well, you're calling an ambulance. There's, no, there's nothing really the doctor's going to do. And the, here's the thing. The doctor isn't really a, like, there's podiatrists that I know have done wrestling events. So someone, there was one time where I hurt my knee or tweaked my knee at NYWC. They sent the guy to the ring who's a podiatrist. He actually got in the ring. He's very old. He fell over me. <laughs> and I was like, and I looked at him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're the doctor? And um, there's nothing he could do. He, was, he, didn't, he didn't know how he could help my knees. He's like, oh, put ice on it. And if I had a real injury, then you would have called an ambulance anyway. I don't know if you necessarily need one. You know, I think it's one or the other. Why do we need both? Uh, it's just a weird thing with the commission. See, no, and I, agree, I actually do agree with everything you're saying. So the, all of that extra stuff, I'm not a fan of that stuff. What, the way I was just looking at it, and again, like, I, would, I would rather not have to deal with any of that, but I guess you can't deal with what I want to deal with without dealing with that stuff. I kind of just want to deal with the whole, I just want legitimate trained professional wrestlers in these states and legitimate promoters running legitimate wrestling shows because we're in a state just and I the, that's what that's the only thing I was thinking of commission just like to and I guess to done, done right but if I guess you can't have a commission overseeing it unless you deal with all this other nonsense to justify their jobs where they're just breathing down everyone's throat instead of being super cool like the last show we did in Brooklyn I think it was the last one or one of the last ones the commissioner I don't know his name but he was so cool and I remember Nick Gage did a chair spot, I think, with Wayward, and he slammed it. He was going to do something on chair, and I'm like, kind of from a distance looking at him. I was like, please, please, please don't do that. And then I see him, and then he, they do the spot, and he's like, whoa. And then he's like, clapping. He's like, yeah. And then he smiles, like, oh. Then when the show was over, he came up to me, he's like, that was a great show, man. That was awesome. That was awesome. He was like, having a ball watching. I was like, this guy's cool. I yeah. like him. It's but, a mix of like cool ones and like not so cool ones. And some of them are, are awesome. And, and, and I'll give them like, hey, I think we're, you know, we might do this, we might do that. You're not allowed, you're not allowed blood, which is understandable. Okay, fine, I get that. Um, what was the other things? They, there was a while they were like anti-intergender wrestling. There was something where it wasn't really a rule, but it was a rule. The eleven o'clock rule that they oh, shut the God, shows down. Yeah, like there's been you can't run after eleven. Which, all right, fine, so be it. But when you have a, I actually complained to the commission, and they actually were on my side with this because there would be that one guy. They'd be like, look, you got five minutes, you got 10 minutes, like 11 o'clock. And then I told the head commissioner, this guy, uh, Glenn, I was like, look, this is what happened in my show. He goes, he should not be doing that. That is not his job. Um, that, that, will, that won't happen again, which I was like, cool. Like, stop treating us like we're, you know, we're Break, children. Breaking the law and stuff like that. Yeah. But again, I think it's just them. I'm the commissioner. I have to justify my job. I'm here, so I'm going to, you know, lay down the law type deal. But yeah, no, that stuff I'm not a fan of. The drug testing for whatever weed and stuff, making everyone piss in cups. I'm like, all right, this is, no, I just want someone somewhere, even, even if not a commission, someone just oversee it to some extent where it's just like to clean it up. But I guess you can't, it won't happen. But you go to all these states that don't have it. But like I, I, I'm contradicting myself because then I, I think of it, the states that do have it, it's just like it takes no, nothing for anyone to get a license like a you know, a random guy off the street can just know somebody, like, here's a wrestling license, right. here's $10. And even in, like, the era, I think, when did they go away? 2001? Because I remember I got my license. Then it went away shortly, and, right? And literally, like, literally, like, I'm like, oh, and I was, like, going to pick it up, and then, like, there's no more licenses. And I, I never actually got, mine's probably still in the office there, from two, which I'd like to have, from 2001. 
But I remember like Jay Silva got a license and he did, you know, six months of training and made <laughs> three people sign for it. I mean, that, that was the cool then thing. Then again, though. he was trained properly. So that was the cool thing to do. It's like, did you get your license? No, no. And then when you got it, you're like, oh, I'm a pro wrestler. How much money did you make some more? Nothing. Uh, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Just that, it's just printed out piece of paper on the thing. Which states were you licensed in? I don't know, New York, Maryland, Kentucky. I don't know what other places have commissions. I guess Virginia. like when you go down to Louisiana. Virginia? You had Virginia? I don't, I don't think so. You had to have. Maybe. You, absolutely. You wrestled in Virginia. You had to have. Oh, was that for like for Global, Global Force? Force? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. So, yeah. I don't know how many states still have commissions. Not many. I think Missouri, Maryland definitely has it. Virginia definitely still has it. And I they think. have different and like some stricter rules. Some I think Maryland's pretty strict, but like they check your you know blood but, pressure. Oh, some have to have like... Um, but that's weird. New York has a commission that oversees wrestling shows and stuff, but you don't need a wrestling license. No, I don't know. Is, are we the only one that has all of the restrictions and rules? Actually, I think the, the rules are harder here than the, actually Louisiana, because Luke Hawks told me uh, mm. the license deal. You need a license over there. And the commission actually kind of does breathe down your throats a little bit over there. They're mm. there, similar to here from what he was explaining. But uh, that's kind of weird that you don't need a license over here to wrestle. But you I, need I, one to run shows. You know, I'm okay with all of it. I just think the financial burden of, that's the biggest, my biggest gripe with the commission is that, like, you got to understand what does an average independent show draw? A hundred if they're, if they're lucky. So do you think it's just a money grab at the end of the day? Of course it is. It's just a way to, you know, but it's also, like, I understand if that, you know, everyone has their hand in, in, the, in, the, in the cookie jar, but for, when you have MM, you know, when you have UFC going at, at MSG, like, I understand, like, being a licensed thing for that. Yeah. Like leave Creative Pro alone. Like it's gonna call you know. <laughs> now you're just big bully. Now you're just picking. So picking your up. license fee is based on your average crowd size. So like we are the the smallest one. So I believe it's a four hundred fifty dollar fee every year, which isn't bad, but it's it's a cost. But like if you have like UFC style like this, it's like it's not that big of a difference. Maybe it's like a thousand or fifteen hundred. So it's like hey, UFC pays this, Creative Pro pays that. There's a way bigger gap. There and, is. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it's just like. <laughs> Too, it's just too much. Uh, the insurance thing, you have to have a policy for whatever venue you go to, and then you have an additional policy that, um, it's, uh, that, rec- that covers, I guess, incidentals in ring, sort of, but like, it's always been kind of vague, but you have to at least provide the policy. It's, it's, it's just a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, All right, so. No so yeah, enough, enough commission talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So enough about the commission. Let's get on to something else. Our guest for today, legendary professional wrestler, independent journeyman, dare I say the, uh, the podfather of all wrestling podcasts, uh, now current AEW superstar, Colt Boom Boom Cabana. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Pat Book Show with uh, KM. Here's a special guest, man that needs no introduction, Colt Cabana. Hey, Colt, how are you? I don't need an introduction because my picture's right behind you. I know, but they can't, we professionally edit this, so we can't see, I mean, I said your name already, but you know what I mean. I hope that I'm in the shot in my picture, and I meant like my, my autograph is behind you, literally. I know. So it's on the, it's probably the best spot here. I don't know why we still have Jay Silva up there, but. The two Jews are there fighting each other. <laughs> hey, Cole, you know my picture used to be on the wall too, right? Ugh. And then we noticed that uh, it mysteriously just vamoosed. Uh, WWE used to be there filming, and they didn't want any heat with you. Oh, I see. That, that makes perfect sense. Or one of the students just took it off the wall. But now it should be back up and ready to go. Yeah, you would think, right? We, I'll, get, I'll wait till I get an updated picture. I think that was Fat KM. Now I'm Jack KM, so I need updated pictures. How's it going? 
It's going well. It's a Sunday. The world is falling apart as we know it. Uh, I, I hid in my apartment last night as I'm in Chicago. Um, you know, only a couple miles from madness. Who knows when this is going on? It's probably not evergreen, so we, I shouldn't even talk about it. But uh, here I am. How's your quarantine? You've been cutting your own hair or no? Of course. I've been cutting my own hair for 20 years now. 25 years, if you will. Got that fade down perfectly. Wow. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm very proud of it. Uh, my quarantine was fine. I, I have been flying sporadically to Jacksonville to wrestle for the AEW company, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, you can see them every Wednesday night on TNT. Uh, <laughs> heard about them. Great. <laughs> well, you do have a big match coming up this week. I know it's not evergreen, but you and Jericho this week. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm wrestling Chris Jericho. We have a combined 50 years of professional wrestling experience. I think over 10,000 matches between the two of us, maybe something like that. Wow. And um, I, I think it's pretty, I think it's a unique match that, you know, maybe the fans didn't know they wanted. And now it's kind of cool because of just that aspect of two guys who have literally been all over the place, but have never even been close to being in the ring with each other, except for a practice match in FCW once where Chris Jericho watched my match and told me not to, not to sit, not to call out flying asshole when I was doing the flying asshole. <laughs> I thought that went away in OVW, because didn't that change to Flying Apple? Or did you bring back the Wait, A-hole? In developmental, you would scream out Flying Asshole in the ring? Uh, flying Apple, but in practice match in front of Jericho, I thought it'd be funny to say Flying Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> nice. so, so ne- but now, could you? is it back, or is it Apple, or uh, A-hole on television? Yeah, I mean, on the indie shows, it's Flying Asshole when it's uh, age-appropriate. And then if I see little kids in the front row, it's Flying Apple. I was going to say, what if there's only, like, one little kid, but it's primarily, like, a drunken, older crowd? Does Do you get away with the asshole? Is there a limit to how many kids? I just don't I just clearly don't say, say asshole. You know, I'm like, fly <laughs> <laughs> Colt, how long? We've known each other a long time now. And you've hated me for many years. How long do you think you hated me till we actually switched over from I don't like this guy to hey, we're kind of friends now to hey, we're actually good buddies? When do you think that transition happened? I remember you being a 16-year-old wrestler on a- having your own Angel Fire website. <laughs> that, that, you bring that up a lot when I talk to you. That pissed you off, didn't it? No, it's just like... It's I forget how people are young and dumb and stupid and like think how important they are, even though I was probably 22 at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just as young where I've I've always felt I have this weird, maybe adult mentality more than some. And I don't you know, I don't put myself in other people's shoes, I guess. Uh, So you just being a, a goof and like, you know, I don't know. I was taught right away, like, don't go on the message boards and don't like, you know, don't expose yourself. And so I was following those rules. And then I see you like just chiming in with every single fan, <laughs> like, you know, and so right away, like I would categorize those people as like, well, look at this idiot. And well, even though you were a high school kid doing that. Well, you also I mean, that's a feather in my cap because you're over there in Chicago. I'm not I'm not even wrestling for anyone notable at the time. And there's no social media. And here this guy is in Chicago knows about this completely as unknown as unknown can get student. And first of all, your math is out of whack because we're not six years apart. If I was 16, you could not have been 22 because I'm 37 unless you're 43. Are you 43, Colt? Um, um, 39 plus one. 
I had to been Angel Fire. I was, I was 18. I started training at the end of six uh, when I was 16, going into when I was turning 17. So around I was 18. So we're three, two, and change apart. So you were, so you were what 20 ish? I would say around 20. You had like a, you were like tall, and you had a good look and a good tan. I, I, I was tall. <laughs> <laughs> I shrunk. I was tall. Now I'm swaggle size. I was tall. You were tall for being t 18. I was, and I was, I was thinking like this guy's gonna be in the WWE one day, but he's, 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 he's too mouthy. What? You didn't know anything about me. You're just going off of an angel fire set. Oh, I, I think I had, I think I had a mess. Yeah, I did have message board on it. I had like, um, probably a really badly typed up, uh, like thoughts and comments section where I was just probably crapping on things. I don't even know, dude. So that was my first impression, and then. I, I guess I would say when, you know, Pat invited me to start wrestling in Jersey again. Um, and then everyone was saying how, well, I, you know, because I, I spent time with Hawkins and Ryder and they were your friend and they would talk about you and we were in the WWE system. And I think Hawkins and Ryder would tell me stories about you. Uh, and, and it was, you know, obviously I knew uh, your aura or your being, but they would say it was always positive things. So that kind of like put a positive spin on Kevin Matthews to me. And then once we kind of started wrestling together on the East Coast, uh, you know, I enjoyed your company. Yeah, I get, Ryder's just sitting there singing my praises all day long, talking about how great I am. Definitely, definitely. Because you're like, Hawkins and Ryder are your two good friends. It's like, oh, one of them's definitely one of my good friends. I like the other one, though. But uh, So basically you're saying when you started coming in 2012 to wrestle for Pat, that's why. So you're basically saying for 12 years you absolutely hated my guts. No, it was more. It was more than that because I remember the first couple years it would be kind of, I remember a couple times you're like, man, Colt just doesn't like me. And I think at one point you're like, I think Colt's like picking on me. Like there was a couple times, but then fast forward, I just remember like, this was around like the, when we did those global force shows together, there was time the three of us went to the movies and I remember I sat back and like, we're watching you guys interact. And I, you know, cause I've always been obviously friends with you and friends with you. And I was just like, oh, I'm so glad that they're actually, <laughs> they actually like each other now and they're actually friends. And, um, I believe you, you brought a Zevia. No, you remember you brought a Zevia into the diner and Kevin didn't see that and he was really confused because you thought they were serving, you thought they were serving Zevia and he was trying to rib you and I, I kind of went in there because I didn't want to see you, you guys ruin your friendship again. <laughs> oh, but now it blossomed into this bromance and now we're best buddies. We were toured India together. Were we in the system together at the same time? Were you in OVW when I was in Deep South? You might have been in Deep South. I was in 2006 throughout that year? No. Uh, I, 2000, I, I reported May 2007. I was gone. I yeah, was but back, once I reported, Hawkins the Rider had come from Deep South to OVW, and so they brought all the stories, and so that's kind of where you hear the stories. The poop handlebar story under Ryder's car, you know about that one, where I stubbed dog poop under his handlebar? In his car? I think so. <laughs> yeah. And then he did the same thing to me with his own actual human feces under my car ah, handle. Jesus. But I never touched it. He touched mine. Hawkins was there for that one, where Ryder opened his car, and then he started freaking out. He was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What's the shit? What's the shit? <laughs> it was pretty funny. And then he ran up three flights of stairs to his apartment and stuff like that. That was a good time. That was my... That was, that was actually my highlight of Deep South Wrestling throughout my years. <laughs> that, that was my biggest accomplishment. So fast forward now, I actually just thought of a question while we're talking. 
now that you know you're known for being basically the one of the I don't know Matt Rushmore's of independent wrestling. You know, always making your name and as as far as the independent wrestling, like you're you're essentially the guy for so many years. What's it like now? Because I mean, yeah, you were you did WWE stuff on such a smaller. You weren't yourself. So what's it like now being you know yourself on this huge platform? Have you what's been like the reaction from newer fans or the fans that like? Like, I just want to know what that experience is kind of like because now you're having this opportunity to be yourself on this huge platform. I, I found it so weird the first couple of weeks when people were like, hey, I didn't know who you were. This is so cool. I'm now a fan. I've watched your, I've gone back and watched your stuff. And I wanted to be like, I, I've been wrestling over 20 years on some pretty high-profile stuff. Mm. It's so crazy that you don't know. And then even like, you know, like, in my head, I'm like, okay, maybe you don't know about my stuff like before WWE, but at least you know after. And like even that stuff, which seems so so recent to me, you know, people who just become fans in the last couple couple years, you know, they don't have any clue about uh, tours of Japan or, or uh, international tours or the NWA stuff or even the Ring of Honor stuff. So uh, it's pretty wild that you do all this work and then you know just now people start to recognize and realize who you are and start to enjoy it. But uh, that's I think what will keep me going along because just like anything, like uh, fans get sick of wrestlers so quick, you know, and even the good ones, like even some of the best wrestlers, there's been times where people are like, "Ugh, this guy sucks. And then we go, you know, you know, there's a time where people were like annoyed, like annoyed with Randy Savage, you know, they were just like, "Ugh, we're over it. So, um, you know, luckily if we sprinkle in people who don't know who I am, who are like new for the ride, hopefully it outweighs the people who are just annoyed and, and over me as a wrestler who's been around for so long. So I hope that mix is like a good thing to kind of like bring my career back to this resurrection or whatever it might be. So uh, it's been really cool to, to do my stuff. Nobody gives me any, you know, notes like everyone's very complimental of my matches. And especially we've been doing these AEW dark matches on YouTube, which I was talking with Chris Hero the other day. And I was just like, uh, you know, I'm getting to do my style, my weird style of kind of wrestling. And no one is telling me not to do it. And I and I hope you know, in 40 or 50 years, someone goes on YouTube and is like, dude, I just found this collection of this weird wrestler named Cole Cabana. Like you should see these matches, mm -hmm. you know, the, the same way that so many for, you know, that I've discovered years later. So, uh, even though it's a weird, even though AEW is like, Oh, it's the YouTube show. Like I look at it like this, like really nice collection of matches that are hope that are hopefully preserved for years, uh, in the future. I'm just picturing someone saying in 40 or 50 years, hey, we saw these matches at Cold Commander. Let's bring him in. And you just, you're just like, I'm, let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Boom, 100 and 100 year old Cabana. And I'm like, Boogie Woogie Man, I don't have a, a, a cell phone or, uh, you know, I, just, I don't have a roller bag. I just have a backpack. Yeah, remember? What about at the show where he tells me, he's like, I thought it was, brother, I just thought it was here for the signing. I'm cool with wrestling. And then I blatantly have, like, emails where I'm like, here's the match you're going to do. He's like, that's good, brother. I can't wait. <laughs> I sent it. One of the emails was the actual match graphic that I sent him. He's the best. No, I'm just saying that, I, you know, my dream is to be Boogie Woogie Man in, in uh, 50 years. I can't wait. I think this question kind of parlays into that or segues, whatever the word is. But um, since you, like, you're you're known for being a really incredible, like live performer, like whatever crowd is there. I, I just feel like with TV wrestling, a lot of times the TV wrestling we've seen over, over the last couple of years, it's almost like the audience is an afterthought, but you're not that kind of performer where anywhere you went, the audience was always behind and into what you're doing. And I feel like catered to that, 
crowd that's there to get the most out of them. Do you find that that's, that's like a new thing for pro wrestling where like, you know, over the last couple of years, it's kind of just been a TV style. And then there's like, dare I say, like a live event style. Like where does yours kind of like fit in? Because I feel like you're the best at grabbing reactions from the actual crowd that's there. Yeah. But you know, uh, even the first couple of matches I had on, uh, uh, on a EW in front, in front of a crowd, you know, a lot of people in the back were like, Oh, this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to cameras and, and all the production and TV stuff. So, uh, my mind is well aware of that. And then even my match, uh, the other day, uh, you know, one of my friends, you know, gave me this compliment. They're like, you're such a great camera wrestler. Like, you know, exactly where to be and when to be. So, um, I, I was watching my, my match back with, with Peter Avalon from from uh, Utah. It was the last one in front of a crowd. It was kind of my first singles match in AEW. And I remember, like, doing stuff for the crowd and the crowd reacting. This is this is just me reminiscing about wrestling in front of a crowd, which I'm so – I miss so much. <laughs> but I know, I know. But, but like, I, I just remember, like, doing something and then looking at the crowd. And then also when I watched it back, being like, oh, I'm so glad I looked at the crowd and, and acknowledged the crowd – because they're part of the match. So I, I think that is definitely something I think you could do both, to be honest, you know, and that, that was going to be my goal when I wrestled in front of these arenas was uh, totally acknowledge the crowd, play with the crowd. And then also, you know, know my camera angles and know how to, how to work a, a production. So again, we, you know, I think a lot of people just base stuff off of WWE for the last, you know, X amount of years. Mm-hmm. And with AEW, you can kind of just do whatever you want, you know, to, to an extent. And, you know, I feel confident in my, in myself as a wrestler to to know, you know, where the lines are. But I I do want to play with those lines, and nobody's telling me not to play with those lines. So that's really exciting, and I think that's, as I get more comfortable in that system, I think, and and as the fans come back, I think that's going to be something that I play with a lot more. Is not just you know worrying about how WWE used to shoot their TV, and then everyone expecting it to be like that, but just doing it how I want because how I think it's good. And then hopefully, you know, the fans think it's good. So as AEW expands, uh, do you see yourself, because I mean, with all, you've done everything independent-wise, do you see yourself being devoted completely to AEW? You're still going to do independent shows? Like, is that kind of... Yeah, I'm, I'm allowed to do independent shows. Obviously, I'm doing WrestlePro Alaska September 19th and December... Fifth? December 5th. I actually, I, when I asked you, too, I said, hey, Colt, are you good for... Alaska, and you said your response was something like, I'm on all Alaska shows or every date you got or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, luckily with my deal, I'm allowed to do kind of these independent shows. And a lot of people have chose not to do them and are allowed to. But, you know, you guys know me. I'm, a, you know, all I see this is, is this beautiful opportunity to rise my value as a performer. More people know about me. And then this gives me the opportunity to help independent wrestling as much as I can. Whereas, if people see me on TV and then I can bring people to independent shows and then they can see how great independent shows are. Um, and I love wrestling and performing in front of a crowd. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this signing with AEW is going to make my, um, my schedule busier than ever. And of course, you know, I was on the road 200 days a year, so I had a crazy busy schedule before. So it's almost nice that like, I, I feel not, none of this is nice, but you know, I'm only wrestling, you know, Wednesdays now for the foreseeable future, whatever, until September 19th. But um, it's almost giving me a, you know, this nice little break before when crowds and independent shows come back. It's it's going to be a sprint, I think. And where do you get that drive from? Because, I mean, you've been doing this 20-something years and so many guys 
in wrestling, once they get that kind of, I guess, a TV spot or a contract or whatever, they kind of look back and go, ah, I'm going to limit this because I have this, but you're the complete opposite. Has it always been that way? Or was there ever a time where you were like, hey, I can take it easy, or you've just always been take on as much as possible? You know, I remember reading Regal's book where he said, you know, he could have been comfortable, but he made himself broke. You know, like his family could have supported him, but he made himself broke because he wanted to live the lifestyle of a wrestler. And that's something that I did without, you know, before Regal's book even came out is like, I come from a good enough family where, you know, I, I guess my parents could support me, you know, if I didn't, if I was a total bum, but like, I'm, I made a, I said to myself, like, I'm, this is what I'm going to do for a living. And I, I didn't want to depend on anybody. And I've been independent like that for a long time. So, you know, I, I started, you know, on these small shows and you try to bank up money and you try to like, you try to make a living. And so, um, I was there. Was, it came to a point where I was able to quit my full time job, and I was so grateful to be able to be a wrestler and make a living just off of wrestling, you know. And because of that, I know that the money can go away anytime. And so I, you know, it's not it's not about money, but it's almost about like like workaholicism, you know. So uh, there's something with like w wanting to work because. I can't believe that I'm making a living at wrestling. And I've been saying that for almost, you know, I think I started full-time wrestling in 2003 and I've been full time, I've been a wrestler since 99. So since 2003, I was like, I can't believe I'm making a living. I better wrestle as much as I can before it all goes away. And I still have that mentality that it's all going to go away sometime. So you might as well get as much work as you, as you possibly can. And with all the stuff you're doing, how do you have time to make your own gear? Cause you've been busting out what a different singlet every week. Or every other. Oh, here we go. There's my uh, sewing machine right there. Does the sewing machine have a name? You know how like people name their cars and stuff like that. Does she have a name? Yeah, Viking is the brand. <laughs> the brand. Okay. But how do you have the patience though to just like sit down and bang out a singlet when, you know, if you're doing, I imagine for Wednesday TV, you're flying out what Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. You know. Tuesday. So Tuesday night, so you lose, you know, and you're coming back Thursday. So you're, you're losing all that time. Once you have all these independent shows happening again, or like, do you plan on, you know, I don't know. I just would think that's so frustrating. Like I take on a lot of projects, but making your own gear, like, man, how do you. Uh, it's the same way. Maybe if you're somebody who's, uh, you know, who likes dealing with numbers or spreadsheets or whatever, and that's. You know, for me, it's it's art and it's a it's a project and it's very relaxing for me and it, and I feel it stimulates my brain. So, I you know I see I see wrestling as a puzzle. That's how I kind of mentally see a wrestling match itself. And so I also see putting together a singlet as a puzzle. You know, like I'm you know you start with a base and then you're putting it together and then you could see it come together and then eventually you see your your vision come to something. Uh, and so I enjoy the process of making gear for myself, you know, once, once I turn it into a business, it's probably going to, it would, I wouldn't enjoy it, but just making my own stuff, it's very soothing and relaxing. And I really enjoy the process and I enjoy the art of it. So your first outfit that you, that you ever made yourself, I'm sure when you made it, you were probably like, this is awesome. But now if you look back at your first single, are you like, this is absolutely a train wreck? Yeah, there's one of them. I don't know that there's one of them that like looked like I remember that looked like the Target brand because it was a black singlet and it was a red like based off of the Cubs. It was a circle with a C in the middle and it kind of looked like the Target. It was just a black singlet with the with a C in the middle with the circle. That's it. Yeah. And I remember Kikutaro and uh, and um, one of the other Japanese wrestlers, I forget. They 
Uh, Nakazawa? No. Uh, well, anyways, I, they just kept on making fun of me and calling me Target Wrestler. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I remember how hurt I was because I was so proud of making that singlet. And then I was like, oh, no, it's apparently crap. So, uh, yeah. you know, people ask me, at, like, how, you, you know, are you going to, how do you make your own gear? And it's just like, for me, it's been a, almost an 18 year process of like learning little bit by little bit and changing little bit by little bit. And uh, it's kind of funny you say that is because just this past week I sat down, I was sitting down with uh, Sandra, Sandra, who I used to work with WWE, right? Do you remember her? That Shannon Moore's uh, ex-girlfriend? No, she was, she's like a, kind of like a little bit of an older African-American lady. I think she was on like Total Bellas or something like, uh, anyways, she like she you know I was sewing some stuff next to her at the tapings and she was like I was like hey can you help me with some of this and she told me a new stitch to do and so like now I'm excited to do um, you know now I'm excited like because I can make some changes to my own gear for the better so uh, you know it's a constant learning process and it's something that you just the first ones were garbage you know and these ones aren't the best but you know they're better than the first ones. One thing I always notice or you've talked about it before though. Where did the nipples in philosophy come from? Because like I always looked at Brett's and that, and if I wore a singlet, I'd want nips out. But like your strategy was keep, which I never knew was a thing until you brought that up. Like, oh wow, some guys have the singlet going that way, and some have it with different cuts. Uh, as a kind of a pudgy kid, uh, in my head, this is all in my head. No one would think the same. But I thought maybe my nipples were a little bigger than most people. So uh, you know, as a fat kid at the pool. Sometimes they, you know, you'd get made fun of a lot and that was part of it. So my insecurity, even, you know, maybe now it's a little better, but it's just always been that way that I wanted them cover up. Uh, I, you know, I was jealous of the kids with the little nipples, um, but even, even they had their insecurities, you know, probably they were like, it's too little. So no one's, no one's perfect. Uh, but it just comes from a, a young insecurity of my own. And, um, you know, I, it's just the way that I like it. And, you know, when, when one of them pops out, I still try to cover it. And uh, that, that will probably be with me to the day I die. <laughs> it's like a, like a nip slip. You go back and you're like, hey, in post edit at this mark, you got to you got to blur out the nipples. We're going to see we're going to see you on TV one time. It's going to pop out. It's going to be a blurry. <laughs> you made him blur out your nipple. No, I would I would make him take a, a camera shot from a different camera shot that didn't have my nipple in it. It had the asshole. It would have my asshole in it. Well, the other mm -hmm. camera shot. Right, no, if it's not your nipple, you get what I'm saying? It ties in with what you were saying before. Okay, no. I didn't know there was a camera <laughs> shot directly for my asshole ever. Well, if it's not your nipple, I mean, what, what, it has to be the other side, no? I mean, that's your that's your theory. I like how you look at Pat, even with Skype, you look over at him like, is this guy for real right now? <laughs> <laughs> is this what you guys talk about for real? This is why you brought me on? This I like your affliction shirt. It's my American Top Team affliction shirt. I didn't know affliction was still a thing. I actually, I swear to God. And it, I just like it because the gray goes with the the little camo shorts I'm wearing. But it's the only affliction thing that I actually own. But it's a, uh, yeah, no, it's American Top Team shirt. It's very comfortable. It's very tight fitting for my new physique, Colt. So going forward, I mean, you got obviously AEW, independent shows. Whenever they come back, your podcast is full throttle again. Correct. You know, with the interview form. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing more podcasts. And, and so, you know, I, they are more, um, uh, you know, kind of seasonal now. And, and I've been doing some AEW ones while at work. So, you know, I think in, either in the fall or the late summer, some new ones will come out. Um, but here's something I haven't done. I know you're asking about like what goes in the future. Something I haven't done that I'm looking to get into uh, is 
because of quarantine, I've been playing like uh, a lot of family game, like like uh, humor games on the computer. Okay. And so I've really been enjoying them, and uh, and I've been so I I'm I want to get into the Twitch world of playing these games with with uh, wrestlers and fans and stuff. And what kind of games are they? Is it like Shyamalan or no? Jackbox and you know those. No, Jackbox no. humor, yeah, those kind of those kind of games. I don't know what M Night Shyamalan. What's that? <laughs> I was trying to reference a time in the car where you're like, I keep playing this game called Shyamalan. Oh yes, yes, Chameleon. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, like witty better, witty banter games. Okay, so you're getting into the world of gaming, but not with actual. I don't, I don't like video games. Yeah. Uh, why? Any reason? Uh, I liked them as a kid, and I feel a lot of people are like this. Because I had, you know, I was a Genesis kid and then an N64 kid. And then I think I just got priced out and I couldn't keep up with it. And like now that I can't afford it, you know, it's been so long that I just got taken out of the scene that I just stopped playing. So and I stopped kind of like I stopped keeping up with sports. And that's what I was really into. I, you know, as a kid, I loved NHL 94, 95. I loved Madden. But that's because I loved loved those sports. But now that I really I'm not into those sports uh, on a yearly basis, I'm not really necessarily into those games. So I, I don't even know what to play. I wouldn't even know what to play. Mario Kart, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm this. I'm actually, this, I, I can relate to what you're saying because the game system that I have in my house, my brother built it. It was one of the little emulators that has 7,000 games with all Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Genesis, and just basic games and stuff. Like, that's what I grew up with. That's what I was into. But then when it started getting like the putting on the headset, tying in with the Wi-Fi, playing this person, then it started getting way too confusing, way too much. Like so, then I was like, yeah, that's where it kind of lost me too. I'm not, I'm not into those current games, but I still, on a regular basis, go back and play my regular Nintendo games and stuff. I like less is more with me with video games. I just like simple buttons and controllers, and you know. Well, I feel because we got out like. That's where you stop learning, and like we are to blame, you know. Like the kid, the kids these days, like they understand it because they've gone with that path where we jumped yeah. off. So, you know, it, it, if it was explained to me, I would probably love it. But like, sadly, I feel um, the stubbornness just doesn't like allow me to go back, which I'd like to change. You know, I'd like to be up to date, and like I don't want to be the old man yelling at the clouds, being like, "Kids these days, I don't get their games." Well, next time you're in town at a show, I'll uh, I'll put on the PS4. And, uh, there you go. You're one of that. You're one of them. You're yeah, you're up to date on every the day. Not 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 completely up to date, but I mean, I I play every other day, every day. When so. I go to Albany and I see my little cousins, eighteen and nineteen, and they, they've been playing games forever. Like you said, they they went with the whole process. So, and just the whole setup where it's a thing. Ding, 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 I'm looking at the screen. I was like, yo, there's no way I'd be able to figure this out because like there was that big gap of like the evolution of video games where I was non-existent for 15 years so i was like yeah no i'll stick with my 19 whatever 83 nintendo and uh i'm good to go you know so cole cabana on twitch coming soon anything else not that you need it your show is you're who you are but anything else you want to promote before we uh i guess end this oh i don't yeah i don't know i mean i'm on twitter instagram i've been doing TikToking lately but uh oh I liked doing TikToks at the shows because I didn't. I don't want to do like TikToks at home where I'm like dancing. I feel it's kind of lame. Yeah. But I liked intermingling the trends with with the wrestling and like showing that I'm a wrestler. So it's been a little harder now that I haven't been on the road as much. Mm. But uh, I, I I do enjoy TikTok and I'm on TikTok, which is the which is like an old the saddest thing to hear an old man like me say that. But um, 
yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, the merch is alive, and the and and again, uh, there's gonna be a new season of the podcast coming out. So I, I look forward to kind of debuting that for everybody. The art right. of wrestling. Thanks for joining us, uh, wrestler, gear maker, friend, friend, gamer, and uh, TikToker. So thanks, man. Appreciate being on. Of course, and if you know, if I didn't say it, you know, here I want to make sure everyone knows my love and admiration, not only for you, Kevin, but of course for you, Pat. And uh, you know, I am here to support you. Anything you need, uh, I know this is a, a weird time in your life. Uh, it was so awesome to see you be able to, to get this dream job and then kind of taken away. So uh, whatever I can do to help, please, you know, always let me know. I think the highest of you, oh. and I look forward to the Pat Buck Show, thriving and striving. Thank you, man. Love you, too. Same offer for me? (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Oh, you didn't give me the same offer, though. I said I think highly of you. No, but you didn't say anything that I need, because I was going to give you my PayPal. You said you're doing really well. (laughs) I was going to just, you know, Venmo, PayPal. (laughs) Anything you need, Pat, just let me know. (laughs) Got it. So I'm going to wrap up the show here. I'm Buck Never Stops on all social media. Superstar KM. Say at the same time. And uh, please leave a review or a like. Tell your friend about this. And thanks to GoPro Wrestling for producing all this stuff. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Buzz killer.